as we come back together, we will uh, conclude our time in Romans this morning. And uh, again, it's been a great blessing and encouragement to me to be able to take this much time in the book. And I want to come at this notion of the whole of Romans slightly differently this morning. Uh, if you look at your worship folder on the front cover, there are two page, the two quotes tie in with sort of the theme, I believe, of the power of the book of Romans. First of all, from an unlikely source, perhaps, in Carl Jung, but this idea that what Christianity is about and what Paul is about, not that Jung's giving credit for that, he's exposing the weakness and the absence, because there isn't adult education. There isn't what the Bible talks about in the context of Proverbs, in the context of sanctification, that there is this expectation that we have just started to learn. And that as eternal creatures, we can either learn in ways that align with the wisdom and the truth of the way creation was designed by God himself. Though she may be marred at this point, it is not a permanent state. And to live in the reality and to grow in our understanding as adults, growing up into adulthood, as Paul says, that we are, and Paul is writing Romans because he believes adults can learn. And that if the weaker and the stronger that we learned about in chapters 14 and 15 were going to be able to live together in the community of faith, the adults were going to have to grow up in their knowledge of who God was. And how often do we struggle with a world because we think that education is largely just so that I can do a task. That we have missed the richness of what it means to grow up our whole lives. And to grow in our understanding and knowledge of the wisdom of God. And to bless others. And to find ourselves less and less a victim of ourselves. And find that we are less and less likely to victimize others by our brokenness and our sin. But if it was just sanctification, my stars, would that be heavy? And so the second quote brings home, though he didn't mean to do it exactly in the way he does, Sedentrop, the difference between Augustine and Pelagian is the brilliance of justification by faith alone. The power of recognizing that in human weakness it was not possible, and in fact it would only create greater trauma to suggest that somehow I might be able to contribute something to my salvation. And that how that would inevitably create a two-tier spiritual system, those who could achieve and those who couldn't, And we have all at times grappled with societies and, God help us, churches where the equality of who we are in Christ somehow got masked by what appeared to be moral or spiritual success in an earthly sense. And Paul, starting in Romans 1 and working all the way through chapter 9, made it very clear that this is salvation by grace through faith. So that any route of 
sanctification we are on is growing up understanding what it means to be unconditionally loved by a loving and generous God. And that gives us all the privilege of starting in the same place, whether we are Jew or Gentile, whether we had the privilege of being baptized into the family as an infant or brought in as an adult, that we all stand in the same place as recipients of God's mercy and grace And therefore, we can grow in the knowledge of adulthood because that's who God is. To grow in our knowledge of God is to grow in wisdom and living well in relationship to God and others. That's Paul's heart. That is his desire is to write to Ephesians and the Corinthians, the Philippians, and the Romans, of the great realities that because of justification, we are all starting in the same place, which is a pretty amazing place, completely forgiven and given the full resources of God that we might live in and through this world, not in fear but in confidence. And so Paul continues his confidence here in Romans 15, not in himself, but in the goodness of God. And this morning, uh, I think I will continue to read in chunks uh, just because of the amount of verses that we have. But I am going to read the end because I have a tendency to enjoy doing that. And then we will look this morning at, hopefully, uh, a refresher we talked about last week the vision on the front cover tonight. Uh, tonight, I hope it's not tonight. That was ominous, wasn't it? When is he going to be done? Tonight. Um, that uh, the open heart, open hands, and open doors, which is kind of the motto that you see across the top of your worship folder on various pages, that'll be the outline for this sermon. How we see God working in the open hearts uh, to open hands and Paul's mission to be about open doors to the world. So that's our outline, but let's uh, put the word in front of us, uh, and I'll start in verse 30 of chapter 15 and read through the end of the text, but we'll uh, go back through the rest of it in the sermon. Hear now God's word. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that I may serve, serve for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we again delight in just being able to sit at your feet, to sit at the feet of the Son, to be uh, expecting our eyes and ears to be opened by the Spirit to hear the good news and to be encouraged by your faithfulness. We pray again, Lord, that whatever is said this morning would be useful for the building up of your people. And whatever is not true, may those words quickly be forgotten. Amen. 
So again, open hearts, open hands, and open doors. It's a way of trying to unpack this rhythm of the Christian life, this reality both individually and as a corporate community of faith, the the journey we are on. And it starts with an openness of our hearts to the transformation to the new heart and the transformation that comes through Christ. So if you look in your scriptures, uh, chapter 15, verses 14 through 24, Paul says this, I am satisfied, uh, myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with the knowledge, and able to instruct one another. There is a, first of all, an understanding that there is instruction. And that by the Spirit, these brothers and sisters are already well on their way in understanding the truth and the beauty of who God is. That assumes that their hearts are going to be open to learn new things. Not just intellectually new things, but things that transform the way they interact with one another. That's why Paul says that he's had to say some hard things. He's had to challenge some of the cultural values and some of the expectations of how Jews and Gentiles had traditionally stayed separate. And I'm sure that there were wounds on both sides because the Jewish folks stayed separate on purpose. And even though they were a minority and even though they were often oppressed, no doubt that could create an even greater sense of standoffishness. So if a few Gentiles had tried to be friends with Jewish folks and the Jewish folks didn't want to be friends because they were afraid. And so there could be hurts on both sides. The sense of superiority of being Roman and having conquered everybody. Why would you mess with people who regularly get conquered. And yet what Paul is saying is, no, you're going to learn new things about what kingdom really is, what it means to be created unique and in the image of God, what it means to honor one another in weakness and in strength. And so Paul is already encouraged that the church and the believers in Rome have that openness to having their hearts transformed because They are growing in knowledge and they are instructing one another. And there is that priesthood of all believers. And there is that community of submitting one to another out of reverence for God that is the anchor of Paul's letter to Ephesians as he encourages God's people to interact with one another. Submitting to one another. Listening to the voice of a brother and sister as they come to you in love and encouragement by the Spirit and with the Word. But there's also a reality that our hearts are not just open to one another, but they are open to, for lack of a better term, professional instruction. Monty was talking to me a little earlier uh, about uh, a lecture he heard from N.T. Wright stretching from the Gospel of John back all the way through the Old Testament, and showing particularly how in Genesis and Exodus, John is reaping all of the rich imagery and and filling out this picture of Jesus' life that is rich and deep. Most of us don't have time to unpack Genesis and Exodus and the Greek in John and see how he's running lines through the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. I don't, actually, I used to get paid to do that, uh, have time to do that, but but I'm about not to. Uh, And we need professional folks. And in our society, sometimes we are suspicious, and I'm sure it's always been true. I'm sure there's nothing new under the sun 
of those who claim to be experts. But gosh, we need a few. Because chances are, it wouldn't have been hard for the Roman church to kind of settle into a Gentile and a Jewish church. And occasionally they might talk to each other, but they could have developed perfectly happily apart from one another because it would have been easier. And they needed someone with a bigger vision of what the kingdom was, those who had been instructed and called to say, with all due respect, it's no less than what you're doing, but it's a little bit more. And to encourage and exhort. And so, of course, we are praying for that. But Paul, in verses 15, is, is talking about his own role to support and encourage what is already being done in the congregation. So our hearts need to be open to one another, but also to those God will call and train to bring the word. To do what? Well, to follow King Jesus, His truth, His life. 16 and 17 gives us the reality that we will do it in the power of the Spirit. So we are having our hearts transformed so that our hearts now fall more and more in love, not with our own ideas and our own plans and our own biases, but in love with what Jesus is in love with, which is a little bigger than what I'm usually normally capable of loving. And as I follow King Jesus into overwhelming situations which I could not withstand, Paul reminds us that it is all by the power of the Holy Spirit which has already done miraculous things in and through this Roman church. That God is already bringing the great power of redemption, sanctification, taking things that were not really the way they should be and not obliterating them, but the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit is transformative, not obliterating. It doesn't stop you being you. It doesn't stop CVP being CVP. It will take and transform and sanctify. Removing the dross so that the purity of what and who we are in Christ is ever more evident and bright to the world around us. So then we move to the open hands. And it's seamless. And it happens in Scripture all the time. This is just another example where we can miss it because it's just so common. So he talks about this amazing thing where God is working in and through these people and they're growing in knowledge and they're learning about King Jesus and the Holy Spirit is sanctifying them and transforming them. And oh, by the way, thanks for helping out with famine relief. Why? Because it's just a normal thing that if the open hearts are happening and our hearts are being transformed by God, then it's not surprising that the Gentiles supported famine relief for Jerusalem. It's just a natural outworking. It is Matthew 25. Sheep and goats. Goats, give me an order. What should I do? Pray three times a day and give 10% to people. Check. That's it. Sheep, when did we see you? We were just kind of doing stuff. That was when we were taking care of you? Yes, because the heart was transformed. The hands opened up. The power of this passage is not to create a sense of guilt or obligation in a religious sense, but to once again remind us 
that when we are transformed, our hearts are transformed with God, by God's grace, our hands no longer need to be clenched or fearful or holding on to what we have. We can live with open hands. And we do that wisely. But you know, it's not always safe. Safety is not a big word in Scripture. I'd like to say that's why it's not a big word in our household. Um, but it's not that theologically driven. But the reality is that when your heart is transformed by the gospel and you begin to open your hands, we do expose ourselves to a measure of risk. Paul just giving allusion to the places that he's preached and brought the gospel and his expectation to head on to Spain is one litany of places where Paul has put himself in danger and it had gone poorly, but he had been sustained. The work of the kingdom is not a work of safety. And we're going to get to the peace of God be with you. But what peace is, is not the absence of a recognition of difficulty. It's not creating safety. Safety and peace often don't fit together at the beginning. To bring peace, often others have to put themselves at risk. And we know this to be true, and it certainly is true of the people of God. And so we have the obedience of the nations in word and deed is being seen in verse 18 because of the open hands of God's people, caring and ministering to one another. And then we move to the open door. And this is, again, uh, what some scholars try and reduce all of the letter to the Romans as a fundraising letter, uh, which is not a good idea. But it is true that Paul is writing to the Romans about what he hopes to do and how they can be a launching pad as he feels like the Spirit is moving him from what he's been doing in sort of the area that we now call Turkey and moving him into Europe and Spain. And that Paul sees this work to be ongoing. And this young church that is struggling itself in various ways is still being asked to pray for the great apostle Paul because Paul believes it will be beneficial. In fact, he needs their prayers. And that he will be, uh, have the gate open to him to go to Spain. But interestingly enough, and this goes back to peace and safety, He's got to go to Jerusalem, which hasn't always worked out well for Paul. It's a place of hard memories for him, where he started persecuting the church, where he held the cloaks of those who stoned the first martyr. And the people in Jerusalem remember that Paul. But they also remember the Paul who went off on a mission, was converted, came back, spent a few years making tents, and then had the nerve to tell Peter and James that they didn't understand the gospel, which also didn't go over well. But God was gracious. And so Paul is praying for, or asking for prayer, 
Because he knows the door is open for him to go to Jerusalem, and yet that door doesn't mean it will be safe for him in Jerusalem. But to bring the peace of the gospel, to bring the truth of who Christ is, and to build up his brothers and sisters, and to continue to strive for unity, even with the Jerusalem church. That Paul, the representative of the diaspora church and the Gentile church, seeks constantly to maintain good relationships and a common faith and a common statement with the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. This is part of Open Doors, which is the transparency of the reality of what goes on within God's people. That Open Doors isn't just about welcoming people in, but it's be living transparently enough, humbly enough to say there is great joy and there is great trial. There is great celebration and there is grieving. There is confidence and there are moments of fear. Please pray for me. My life is an open door to see the work of God transforming me, even Paul, who started with a zealot view of God that was religious and met a living God and had a zealous faith with a service and generosity and humility of a God who was incarnate and suffered all the things that we suffer, plus the infinite suffering of the cross and his own separation from the Father. Open hearts, a learning curve, which by definition means that we're going to make mistakes, as the church in Rome does, as we do today humbly submitting and encouraging one another in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, opening our hands to love the other, to care for God's people in word and in deed, and to allow the world to see and be welcomed into this new community of faith, this kingdom on earth that lives by a different ethic than the enforced and ever-present immediacy and pragmatism of sin and death. We don't live pragmatic lives. There's no reason to because we're eternal beings. The reason for pragmatism is if there's only one life to live, then you pragmatically better make sure you get the most out of it you can. And Paul, in light of the resurrection, says, no, we live lives open at risk. Which is why he can close with verse 34. Which again is my hope and prayer for you, my brothers and sisters. starting in 32, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and refreshment in your company. I pray that for your next minister, that he comes to you with joy, looking to be refreshed by you and refreshing you in the work of the kingdom. And as I say goodbye, 
to say that may the God of peace be with you all. That may not always be safe, but may you know the eternal peace of the Spirit, the power of the Father, and the service with the Son that encourages your steps, strengthens your hearts, and always gives great glory to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you be merciful to the preaching of your word. Thank you for your infinite provision. Thank you for your faithfulness generation after generation in providing for your people, in strengthening and encouraging us even in times of danger that we can bring peace to a world that so desperately needs it. Lord, bring that peace in ever greater degrees in our hearts that we might extend it in love to all who know us. For your glory. Amen.